The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. Coming up on the financial food fight, I'll tell you where the food fight is. The food fight is in the markets. Terrible day for the U.S. stock market, crude oil, really for everything, capping off two just awful, awful weeks to start the new year. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, from New York, financial food fight. Welcome to the food fight, and boy, hit a food fight today. Uh, not here so much in the studio, where you know we're on pretty good terms, but uh, in the market, certainly. Good lord, uh, Paul Vigna, Steve Grosser, a couple different folks here today. Dan Strumpf, who you guys know, Aaron Lucetta, who you know, and uh, Chuck Jaffe joining us on the phone. Uh, gentlemen, as always, I'm, I'm going to give you a choice of topics here uh, pulled from Twitter moments. We can talk about National Hat Day. National Hat Day. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Uh, for you. Uh, t- ten monster dunks to end the work week. Oh, okay, whatever. Uh, oh, here's one that's interesting. Market meltdown. Market meltdown. What do you think that could be about? Anybody? I have no idea. You have no idea? I mean, it's been quiet. Yeah. Uh, it has been a disaster for the markets. I mean, the Dow at one point was down more than 500 points. S&P 500, all, all the major indexes it's actually- It's been a one-sided fight. Fell through their, their August lows, which was a major marker for the, for the, uh, the, the traders here. Nasty, nasty day on Wall Street on Friday, capping off what has been just two terrible weeks to start off the year. If the market starts out January and then follows through most of the time where it started, it's going to be a pretty ugly year. It's actually, I mean, it's really interesting. This is, you know, August, everyone sort of remembers because that that Monday where, you know, it fell a thousand points. Right. But this has been much longer than uh, already than the August sort of pullback. Has it already? I think think it has been. I think it's been the longest stretch of down, you know, 1% or more days since the crisis. Since March 2009, seven of the last 11 days have been down 1%, and that's the worst since March 2009, which just happens to be the market low. Right, the 2009 low. I, I mean, Aaron, you said it, you know, at this point, the market would have to have an amazing rest of the month, actually, to just to pull even. That's true. That's true. And, and today it's been interesting. It fell like a stone right at the beginning of trading, and it stayed down all day. There's been very little ups and downs. It's just been down 300, 400, and kind of in a tight range. It's like, you know, the bulls are kind of going home early for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, I know you're on the you're you're on the road there today, right? You're calling in, so dedicated. I, I love it. Uh, well, what's the view from the Brahmins in Boston? Well. <laughs> I think ultimately, if you talk to people a couple of weeks ago as we were looking into the year and you were asking them for their forecast, they would have said that they expected this to be a single-digit year. And then they would have hoped that you wouldn't have asked, is that single digits up or down? Right. If you ask them today, they would tell you, I still think it's going to be a single-digit year, but they would tell you, I think it's going to be single digits down. Well, that's okay. That basically means that, good, we've shaken out a whole bunch of stuff and we're going to wind up seeing volatility, but we're not going to see much that winds up getting us, you know, in a meaningful time period when year-to-date numbers are 52 weeks instead of two weeks. They're going to basically see it all be, you know, flat from here out. Okay, I would take that. I think most people would. 
yeah, at this point, you'd be happy. Look, he, here's the thing. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, and, and I put it up sort of humorously, and everybody shot me down. I think it was on the food fight. In fact, Chuck, you might remember. I, I said, is this the big one? Are, are we here yet? And, and everyone said, no, no, of course not. Of course not. Tell me what has changed between the the back half of 2015 and now that makes this different. Why is the or not. And if it's not different, how bad is this? Why is this market going down right now? And I don't want to hear China. I don't want to hear oil. Those things have been have been bad, and we've known they've been bad. Why is the market now doing such a face splat? And tell me there's some reason why I should say, oh, maybe I should, you know, look, we're not, we're, we're reporters, people, we're not investors, except for Chuck. You know, I'm not buying stocks, but I mean, proverbially, why is there a reason for me to say right now, oh, maybe this isn't so bad, I should, I should buy stocks here? Well, two of the biggest reasons are the ones you just said not to tell you, but the, the, <laughs> the third one is that this is feeding on itself. I mean, people are starting a new year, it was a bad 2015, ended up down, not terrible, but down, and people were in a wait-and-see mode, they got worse news out of China, worse news out of oil, and it accelerated, and people are more attuned to it than they were in August. In August, it was a little blip. Oh, China's an issue? Oh, oil's going down. They saw it at the gas pump slowly but surely. But now those things are really digging in. They're very long, protracted bear market trends, and people are more worried about them now. Yeah, I, you know, and I think, I think there is a third thing that's not those first two things you told me not to mention, Paul, which is, which is the U.S., and and kind of the one. I like that people actually listen to me when I say don't mention. You didn't mention them. It's very impressive. No, no, I, I know I did. I, I, I don't get that res- kind of respect often. Uh, well, here, here's the thing. I think the U.S. is is kind of sort of seen as the as the sort of island of stability out there, and it's been the you know if people are making a bull case, they always point to well the U.S. economy is is, right. is fine, but I think to to Aaron's point, you know this downturn in oil and this real scare in emerging markets, China and the like, you know there's this growing fear that uh, is it really the rock of stability that we've always thought it would be and and you know i mean on the one hand you have you know great employment numbers and and all that but uh, you know on the other hand there was some data today on retail sales that wasn't great and you know stunk people stunk spending stunk it was the holiday season and it went nowhere it stunk exactly the other thing that i would say is is and you have to go back to the oil and 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 china and the fed see grocer grocer because he's my boss knows he can do it and get away with it i mean like oil and china speak deflationary pressure and you have a fed that seems determined to increase rates and that bell right here be ding because that's a that's a very very you you just said the magic word the magic word is the Fed. But how can the Fed raise rates really now? I mean, they, they, they have to wait, you know? They, I, I mean, mean, you would think so. The Fed is between a rock and a hard place. The, it's a different rock. But they do, the question I mean, is, and I want Chuck to, to weigh in on this too, has the Fed already put something in motion that is doing this? And I say yes. They have already started to turn the direction of credit conditions globally. And before it was an anticipatory if that's really even a word, kind of thing, where you saw people getting out of emerging markets because they knew the Fed was going to change policy. You saw it in junk bonds because they knew what, which way things were going. Now things are actually going that way. There is so There was so much tinder put onto this fire over the last seven years. That flame has been lit, my friends. Yes, but it's a small flame. It's not... You know, there was a point, if you had gone back to when the market was really doing very well, if you had gone back 18 months ago, if the Fed had decided to raise rates into that, it would have cracked the market. You would have seen massive declines. What you've seen 
is, okay, some volatility with some good reasons behind it and nothing that's surprising anybody in a market that, oh, by the way, while it's been up, it's been up very thin because of how indexes are constructed. It's, you know, not that the S&P 500 is doing great. It's been at the S&P 20, the top S&P 20. Right, S&P 6. in the weight of 480 others. So truthfully, yeah, if the Fed doesn't want to see more difficulties, they would stop doing things. But if I were the Fed, I'd be thinking, hey, we were late to get there. We haven't inflicted nearly as much pain as we could have. Keep going. Yeah, plus, I mean, the next Fed meeting is is weeks away, and who knows where the market's going to be in weeks. If this moves along as fast as August did, and we know it hasn't, but it could, um, you know, dry up pretty quickly. Market turns back around. The Fed uh, would look, you know, less credible. Who knows? They have credibility issues. If they come out and now say, oh, you know, maybe we won't, maybe we won't, and then the market uh, goes up again, and then they're, you know, they're going to have to, you know, wiggle and waggle and um, flip-flop all the time. I mean, the market is already betting that they're not. Right. And uh, one of the questions that, I mean, has been sort of, we're hearing around the news from a lot, and we're talking about a lot. I mean, it, you know, is this pullback 2000, you know, eight, or is it more like 97, where you know, with long-term management, uh, long-term uh, capital, long-term capital management, the collapse yeah. area. I mean, and and I think the general, you know, feeling is this feels more like 98, where this is a stock market, you know. A pullback crisis, whatever you want to talk, and not an economic one. Well, there's definitely three things that make it more similar to 97, 98. One is that you have the Asian concerns and concerns of contagion. You have very low commodity prices. And then you have that breadth issue in the market that, that Chuck just alluded to, just yeah. five or ten stocks driving a lot of the gains, really not uh, a broad broad market rally. Those uh, were that, all true I'll, in give the you, I'll give you one major difference, and then we have to take a break. Uh, back then, you had a Federal Reserve that had a lot of room to cut interest rates and stimulate the market, and they don't have that today. And the economy was arguably growing faster. And you, yes, yes. So you have some significant differences, too. All right, look, we've got to take a quick break. We will come back on the other side. We're going to drill down into the banking sector. Hi, this is Jason Gay, sports writer at the Wall Street Journal, and I have a podcast called Free For All. And guess what? It's not just sports. We'll also talk about some real estate, some music, some culture, some fashion. I could talk about fashion. It's the Free For All. Become a subscriber on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. And check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now from New York, Financial Food Fight. Welcome back. We're slinging the hash here. Paul Vigna, Steve Grosser, Aaron Lucchetti, Dan Strump, and Chuck Jaffe. Uh, A lot of banks have already come out with earnings. You gentlemen follow these things much closer than I do. So uh, let me have it. What looks good? What looks bad about the banks? I know the banks are selling like everybody else, right? Oh, they're they're selling worse than everybody else. Worse than everybody else? But the the strange thing, and and Aaron, Aaron knows this better than me, but the earnings have been pretty good. Uh, they have been. Uh, I, mean, what was it? I think our headline was that Citi brought in its biggest full-year haul in profits. Was it ever? Um, and and yet the stock is down seriously. Six, was six, it? Yeah. It was ever. They, the stock is down six percent. They, they uh, the last time they had profits this this high, uh, Chuck Prince was running the firm, uh, and that didn't turn out so well. But not not wow. that it'll not that it'll go that way again. But J P Morgan did get an annual profit that was a record yesterday. What about Wells? 
They usually hit a lot of records. Wells Fargo, you know, a slow, consistent grower. It, it, it sets records almost every quarter and every year by a little bit because it just grows a little bit, a little bit, and it's very tied to Main Street. Uh, you know, Wells did fine. You know, they, they matched on earnings. They were right where the analysts thought they would be, but their stock sold off with the rest. I mean, the banks have been going down more than the market when the market's down, and they go up more than the market when the market's up, and that's mainly because they're so tied to the economic outlook and the Fed. If the Fed has to back off, they won't raise interest rates. Banks won't make as much in lending income. And that's a huge deal for B of A and Wells. And isn't like, like KBW to show like how big? It's about, it's off about 20%, right? It's in a bear market. You're talking about the index, the yeah. KBW index. Which is a banking and Which index. is the biggest, right, you know, right, the biggest right. banks yeah. in, the, in, the, in the country. Steve asked me about KBW twice a day. It's yeah. His, it's his thing. Oh, I mean, I, I, I would I, I He asked find me about you. it once, too. I couldn't find you uh, Wednesday because I was going to ask you about that Wednesday, too. Um, but, I mean, th- that speaks to you saw last year everyone got really happy in July. You know, the Fed was going to raise rates. Raising rates was going to be, you know, this great thing uh, for banks. And the stocks went up. And, and they've, you know, since then, since, you know, they've come back down. And a lot of that has to do with the realization by, I think, you know, investors is that the Fed's not going to be moving very quickly yeah. on raising I, rates. I think that's I think that's exactly it. I think that there's the the, the fall in banking stocks is is basically the market pricing in uh, fewer and fewer rate increases this year, and the the bond market is not cooperating right with exactly. with, with, with the rate increase that has already happened. I mean, right. the Fed raised in, raises rates for the first time in a decade, and the ten year is below two percent. Yeah. So the bond mar- so so yields are haven't risen; yeah. they've fallen. Hey, hey, Chuck. What do you from from the perspective of investing? What do you make of the bank stocks right now? Well, I, I take it away from the perspective of investing in the bank stocks. You know, when you talk about the Treasury sort of not being where they expected, mortgage rates, which you were expecting. Hey, the minute that the Fed does anything, all of the lenders will be raising rates. Mortgage rates actually declined. So, right. you know, you're in a spot where, oh, by the way, maybe this is the last hurrah, but I don't think so. As long as the 10-year Treasury stays down, I think, you know, you're going to wind up seeing real estate continue to be attractive and mortgage rates continue to stay down. From an investment standpoint, bankers aren't going anywhere. The question is going to be how long is your perspective? Yeah. I, mean, I think you're going to there, – there are definitely people who believe that the financial sector is a good place to be this year, and maybe it is. But that may be relative. That may be compared to, say, the energy sector and a couple of other places that we suspect will be horrible to be. Hey, uh, could, refi boom? Could we have another refi boom, maybe? <laughs> if rates are no, this low, I mean... Why not? Well, you're, you're not going to wind up seeing that rates go deeper significantly. So the only folks who you could see in a refi boom taking advantage of it will be the folks who haven't already taken advantage right. of it. Yeah. While there is and that's- a significant chunk of the population that falls into that category, it's not enough to create a boom. Yeah, I doubt it's even a lot but- either. I mean, everybody refied. But this yeah. really also speaks to, you know, I mean, something Bill Gross has sort of talked about, which is the new normal. I mean, despite a raising bond, you know, raising rate environment, there's bonds are right. still staying low. A- and Mohammed El Arian, yeah, who I should point <clears throat> out, we will be interviewing next month. We're going to have him in on the podcast. A little plug there. Well done, Gross. I don't know if you were planning that, but that was good. I was, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. You know, the other the other area that that historically would be doing okay at this kind of market is the trading desk, because the traders would be on both sides of these big moves. But the banks' traders are now kind of hamstrung. The capital rules are much tougher. They don't get into markets and buy and sell quite like they used to. The capital rules make it very expensive, and the Volcker rule makes it 
illegal in some regards. And so basically they're not participating in this trading situation, and a lot of the investors are going to go to the sidelines if this volatility stays so, on. what's the outlook for banks? You know, I, I saw – it was interesting that Jamie Dimon comments uh, about the economy, and he said, what did he say? Of course it's going to get worse. Or so, so. But he also walked those comments back. I he mean, did. He, yeah, I mean, he, 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 he said, you know, obviously – you know, it's going to be worse. But he's like, it's you know, it's so good now that it can't. It's, oh yeah, but, it's great but, but now. That's, but that 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 in in, in, yeah, in, in a nutshell just tells you how 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 rough the banks are right now as an investment. I mean, it's been a rough twelve months. Every every sentiment is negative. Every rally is snuffed out. It's down for the year twenty percent or since the peak. And then Jamie says it's as good as it gets in some regards. Yeah, and you're like, wait, 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 I missed the party. Where was that? Right. <laughs> so I mean, if if we roll over into a slower economy or a recession here, which is is sort of the bear case scenario, you know, the banks are going to go right back down. Grocer? No, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you know, it's the banks have become, you know, very boring, you know, since the financial crisis. Um, you know, like they, you might say record profits, but these companies are not, you know, raking in the dough like they, they once were. And they really can't do any deals to speak of. I mean, and yeah. the other the other I mean, big the, trick up the sleeve of the banks is they would buy other banks when things got yeah, slow yeah. and things got boring. And the Fed doesn't want banks to be bigger. The politicians certainly don't want banks to be bigger. And like, and Bank of America and J.P. Morgan are right at the the limit too, if not above it. Yeah. I mean, like they were allowed to sort of exceed it during the financial crisis. Right. And, and one thing that's surprising is we haven't seen it more on the other side that they haven't looked to break out more focused businesses that might get higher valuations. You know, the other side too of this is is a lot of these banks are pretty exposed. To to this downturn in oil. I mean, this is this is more mm-hmm. the case for the regional banks that just lent out to all these oil drillers in Oklahoma and Texas and North Dakota, and those chickens are coming home to roost now. Now that uh, you know oil prices are under thirty dollars. Yeah, I mean, you saw all the banks sort of, you know, not all of them, but City um, and J.P. Morgan b- both taking out loan loss uh, reserves for their Against energy that. portfolio. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's take one more break, and we'll come back on the other side of this with some final thoughts. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com WSJ. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash W-S-J. Hi, this is Kevin Sintemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off-Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, cars, tech, watches, fashion, travel, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at WSJ.com slash podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, Financial Food Fight. All right, I want everyone to weigh in on this. Uh, how close are we to a bottom, and is this the big one? <laughs> Can we talk about hats? Yeah. Yeah, you want to go back and talk about hats? No. I, yeah. So I, I would say, um, I would say we're we're probably, I would say closer to the bottom, but I would I would be very very hesitant to, uh, to to call a bottom just yet because this market is just so touch and go. Um, especially because it increasingly seems so interlinked with what's happening in the oil market, and I mean, who, I mean, that's you know that that market moves five percent in a day. As long as that dynamic continues, uh, uh, there's no reason why the market yeah, can't continue yeah. to fall. With the caveat that I'll change my mind a couple times after the show ends, I think it will bottom out soon, probably at fifteen thousand or more. Fine. All right. Uh, hey, Chuck, what do you what do you think? 
Uh, God, I really don't need to make a bigger idiot of myself, so I typically don't try to call the market. I can make an idiot of myself without doing those things. I don't think we've gotten to the bottom yet. I think we will probably see something that kind of get makes everybody gasp, but I don't think we're going to hold the bottom for long, whatever the bottom is. I just think there's still way too much money on the sidelines, way too many people want to invest, and we haven't gotten to all the things that make it from where we say, oh, that's a market move with a bottom to that's a bear market, and oh, my God, look at the steamroller as it's coming. So I, I think the bottom is going to be something that's transient and not something that we go, wow, that, that was long and difficult. Huh. I think I think you're right about it not being near the bottom. I think we will see, uh, without a doubt, before the, this is over, the S&P will be down more than 20%, and we'll be back in a bear market. I think it is going to last longer than people think, though, Chuck. I think people are going to be – people were scared before. They're going to be even more scared now. That money on the sidelines, no one's, no one's going to – you know, no one's getting into this market. I think we are going down – I'm going. I'm. I'm going. My convictions, grocer. I think we're going down very far, and it's going to stay there for a long time because the Fed has no ammunition to juice things up, and there is no real growth in the economy to get people investing in the market. Papa Bear. I mean, one of the questions, you know, and I won't sort of answer your question, but is whether you know, sort of a pullback of like twenty percent going into a bear market is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you've had a You've had a, a stock market f- since the financial crisis that sort of diverge from the economy. You know, the economy is slow growth. You had the, you know, a, a, a stock market that rebounded by half. You know, is a pullback at this, you know, uh, level a good thing? Prices are still high. You know, this sort of recalibrates that and maybe could be, you know, clear the way for the stock market to climb back up. Well, you, uh, yeah, I mean, you could make that argument. I, I don't think the, a, tw- a bear market's a good thing. Not a good thing yeah. for me. Dan, oh, no, Dan no, Strump, no. I tried to work it out to give Grosser the last word, and Dan Strump passed Sorry, it. Can't uh, help I just it. made like a you quick gotta, one. You got to climb, climb the wall of worry. Climb the wall of worry. Oh, Aaron. All right. All right, everyone. Listen, thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. Have a good Martin Luther King Day, and we will see you next week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.